What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Literally that day, I went and I canceled. Like I, I dropped out of college and I went to my mom's house to tell her I was going to be a pro wrestler. Wow. Yeah. And she was pissed. She was like, no, you're not. Because I had a full ride scholarship. I had a full ride academic scholarship to a university. It's Chrysomania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man. Oh, with a powerful question. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! All right, let's do this thing. Welcome back to the Chris Van Vliet Show, and thanks for being with us on another insightful audio adventure. It's a pleasure to have Alex Hammerstone on the show as we get ready for the MLW restart on November 18th. And he's got such an incredible story to tell. And I know you're going to be so inspired after hearing this, from skipping two grades in school to being in several different bands to three tryouts with WWE to now being one of the top guys in MLW. Take a screenshot so we can say hi, so we can share this. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. He is at Alex Hammerstone. And if it's your first time here, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any other episodes. And if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, and you want to help us reach that goal of 2,000 reviews. It's completely free to do this, by the way. If you could just leave a rating and a review, it'd be so great. We would, we would certainly love to have that. Like this one from Tubbeard. Tubbeard. It's titled, Read My Review On Air, Chris, Please. A lot of E's at the end of that. Hello there, Chris. I'm a referee for a Michigan indie promotion, Pure Pro Wrestling. And I've recently gotten into listening to audio podcasts, and I was super familiar with your YouTube page, which I watch all the time. I just want to say thank you for doing what you do. I love listening to your podcast while I'm working throughout the day. You get all those in-depth, behind-the-scenes stuff that I love to hear about. Keep doing what you're doing. You're great at it. And keep up the great work, brother. Well, thank you, Tubberb. Tubberb? Tubbeard. There it is. Tubbeard? Tubbeard. And... It's awesome that you're an indie referee. A refereeing, as you know, is one of the most thankless and underappreciated jobs in all of wrestling. So I want to thank you for what you do. And keep those reviews coming in. Please keep those reviews coming in. A big thank you to our sponsors for this episode, Indeed, Bet Online, and Bosley. And guys, if, if you're wrestling with what to do with hair loss, I can help you pin this down. Go to Bosley. Bosley is America's number one hair restoration expert, and Bosley can help you keep the hair that you have and put hair where you need it most. And today, listeners of the Chris Van Vliet Show can get started by learning more with a free info kit and $250 off gift card just by texting CVV to 203203. That's it, CVV to 203203. The earlier that you take action, the more options you're going to have for keeping your hair. Millions of people all over the country have turned to Bosley to help find solutions for their hair loss. People trust Bosley, and so should you. 
Bosley offers the latest technology and the only permanent solution for hair loss. So get started today with that free info kit by texting CVV203203. CVV to 203203. And you'll get that $250 off gift card as well. So Alex Hammerstone is the current MLW Openweight Champion. And if you've seen one of his matches, he is a very large man. He is also a very intense, very large man. We talk about how he left college to pursue his dream of being a pro wrestler, how he was a touring musician before he went all in on wrestling. He also details the three tryouts that he had with WWE and how close he was to getting signed. He also talks about the freedom that he loves in MLW, how he's able to do pretty much whatever he wants here. And he talks about some of the promos that he was like, "Mm, should I be saying that? And then the next week they're like, oh yeah, no, we want more promos like that. So here we go. It's hammer time, baby. It's Alex Hammerstone. Well, here we go. I'm so glad we were able to make this happen. I feel like, man, we exchanged a few tweets where I thought you were going to kill me if this didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. um, What is that? I don't, uh, I called you a coward. That was it. That was the first one. I was like, or you interview me, you coward. And you're like, um, I don't think that's how you're initiating an interview. It's like, keep calling me names and I'll definitely interview you. And look, like, I guess here we are. I have like some, some semblance of friendship to understand that I was joking, but yeah, we, <laughs> hey, we made it happen. And in perfect timing. I mean, perfect timing for this to happen. I mean, I, I saw you in person, I guess that was about a month ago, but yeah. perfect timing to do this because the MLW, the restart is like just around the corner here. Like yeah. finally MLW is back. It's crazy to think like that. Like I'm going to be able to watch our show in a week. So that's pretty wild. Yeah. November 18th, it's back and it's Wednesday nights. Like the, that's the main night. So 7 PM on Fubo sports. And that's also streaming on YouTube. Then of course you've got Saturdays, 10 PM Eastern on BN sports. I appreciate that you're wearing the shirt for this too. <laughs> Company man, brother. <laughs> so it's uh, first of all, how do you get a shirt that fits a man your size? Well, it, see, it's super easy for me because when they have like the big bulk box at the end of one of the events, they're like, hey guys, we got t-shirts and like the 3XL are like the, always the ones that are left. So I don't even have to rush. Like I remember back in the day when I used to wear like a large, when I wanted like that tight fit, like I had to be on the, on the jump because everyone's trying to grab those. But now I'm just like, right, you guys take what's left. I'll take the one that looks like a poncho. <laughs> you wear the legit one size fits all at like, when you go to an event and they have one size fits all, one size does not fit all. One size fits like humans that are your size. <laughs> well, it's nice, man, because uh, for a long time, I was the type of guy who liked to work out, but liked to wear like super small clothes. Cause That's I was me. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd always get these shirts from like random places. Like, you know, whether it was like supplement companies, give them out or my wrestling shows, give them out. And I literally had a friend that I would give them to, to, restitch them smaller but now i'm the type of muscle guy who's like i just want a giant bag that covers me and maybe you can see my traps <laughs> i people are all you know i'll get the compliment every once in a while where someone's like man you're looking bigger and i'm like no i'm just wearing smaller clothes that's the secret <laughs> that's are you do you really wear a 3xl uh that's like the like, I mean, it's not skin tight or anything. That's, that's the comfort shirt. That's the comfort shirt. So that, that is a 3XL that you're wearing right now. This is, yeah. 
Look, it's tight around your arms. This is crazy. <laughs> no, I mean, well, as long as it doesn't get tight around the waist, then we're then we're good. But in like when you're going to the store to buy clothes, what is the most difficult thing for you to buy? I mean, my girlfriend will attest to this is I own almost no clothes that are either like gym clothes or something that like a, a you know, what, like I said, either whether a wrestling company or a supplement company gave to me, I have like very few good quality dress clothes. And it's not really an issue buying them except the neck, the neck will almost never fit. in a, if I go to like a, a regular store, but so as long as I don't have to wear a tie, I'm, I'm, I, I can make it work. I remember Brian Cage saying to me that jeans were really tough to buy. I mean, I I don't know if I'm quite built in the lower body quite as much as Cage, but as long as I got some good stretch to them, I can make buy. But if, if I try to buy like a regular denim, like it'll be like, okay, these fit. And then I bend down once and they rip. So <laughs> 2020 has obviously been a strange year for all of us, but like, especially strange in the wrestling world. And I imagine for someone like you, you know, you were having two, three, four plus bookings a week and MLW and things, I guess, kind of just came to a screeching halt here in March. Yeah. Um, so it was particularly rough, um, just because, you know, like you said, I was having, I was used to having multiple bookings, but not only that, I had really just within probably like the last year before the quarantine was when I started to hit the stride where I was a pro wrestler, which yeah. like, I mean, making the money for my life from pro wrestling, you know, making good paydays, traveling to pl- places, you know, and flying all over and doing that consistently week to week, um, not having to, you know, work a day job and all that. And just when I was like really gelling at that and in that stride is when, you know, of course, quarantine hits, um, but I just kind of really tried to shift my focus on finding some way to create content because wrestlers really took one or two routes where because there was no wrestling, they stopped doing anything or they realized because there's no wrestling, I need to find a way to engage the fan base, you know? So there were some people really thrived and like, there's some people who like came out of quarantine getting like, they're getting booked all the time, like yeah. more than they were before because they managed to grow that fan base because whether it was throwing up old wrestling clips they had or finding like little, almost like funny skits or, you know, just footage of what they do day to day in their life. You know, um, I did a lot of like a lot of that, you know, and there's a lot of people who like, some people even messaged me like, well, man, like, how do you figure out, like, how do you get so good at Twitter? And I'm like, I just throw everything at the wall and if people liked something i leaned into it you know like people liked when i played certain things on guitar so okay i'll play my guitar more you know i i, you know, I, I typically observe people like a certain kind of tweet you know so i'll you know i'll lean into that direction more but it, it really was just like in my head realizing i could go from being like a guy who has buzz to being a guy that people are like oh yeah i forgot about that guy you know so I just tried my best to, you know, to keep pumping out some kind of content. Was it you doubled your Twitter followers? Yeah, uh, it might even be more than that. I, I, I think I have close to about twenty thousand right now, which I'm not bragging about. Um, but it's doing better than a lot of people, you know, who don't try to, to pursue that avenue. Um, but yeah, I remember a couple months into quarantine, I remember sell like 
having like a little joke celebration about hitting 10. So it just goes to show, I think I might've been at six or seven at the beginning of it all. Yeah. You know, so for people who took, who didn't take that time to capitalize on that, I'm like, you don't realize it's like social media is one of the biggest impacts in, you know, how much buzz you get, how many bookings you get, how over you get. So yeah, it's just, it's just crazy that, you know, some people just completely didn't even try, you know, versus others who doubled their popularity. Well, people were surprised, myself included, that not only did you know how to play guitar, but that you played guitar and drums in a band. So walk me through this. So what was this band called and what kind of music did you play? Um, well, I played over the years, I played drums for several bands um, starting in high school. Like I think I realistically, I probably played at one point or another with like six bands. Wow. Um, but there was one that was like, this is like on my real band. Cause it was with my brother and one of my best friends. And we were called the chase and we played together for several years. We released an album. Uh, we used to play all over Arizona. Um, but that kind of fizzled out just when we got older and got like our own interests and, you know, getting together for practices got harder and harder and harder. Um, so we kind of fizzled out. And then a couple years later, I started my own band where I played guitar um, and wrote all the music for it. Then that lasted for a little while, then that fizzled out. And then by the time I got into wrestling, I still had that like like love for music and like that kind of desire to play, but there was just no way to like throw in another balancing act with it. Yeah. Um, but I always I always talk about how that is what prepared me for wrestling because like by the time I got into wrestling, I had zero stage fright i always wanted to be the center of attention i always wanted to like kind of have like here's my skill check, check it out you know um like i remember the first time like trying to do promos in class like being like yeah let me do it like i sucked but i was like there was no part of me that was like nervous about it i was like yeah let's let's do it you know so i'm uh, just typically like being like a showman um there's a lot of parallels between being in a band and wrestling you know at, at least you know the road traveled to success um so um, yeah, it's, it was like almost like a prerequisite for pro wrestling. It's ironic that you say like you wanted to be the center of attention because the drummer is often the forgotten about guy in the band. That is true. But we were a three piece band and like, we were well known for having like the crazy drummer. I was, uh, I, I'm not going to like say, Oh, I was the best, but I was always quite the showman. I'll say that. You know? Do you still drum? Uh, unfortunately I, I live in a condo, which if I think I tried to squeeze a drum set in here, I think my girlfriend would literally kill me while I slept. I think your neighbors um, would evict you as well. That is true as well. I'm lucky I didn't get evicted when I was working out in my chonies on our porch. Um, but yeah, but yeah, just the, the size of a drum set. And also I had a really, really nice drum set that was very expensive and took me like years to uh, accumulate all the different parts. So I'm kind of a snob about it. Like, I don't want to just get a drum set and be like, oh, hey, here's a drum set. Like, I, I'm like, this isn't good. I need this, this, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, it's like the guy who doesn't want to eat frozen seafood because he used to live by the, the, you know, Fisher's market. So I like, I need the best of the best or else I don't even want to play it. Well, yeah, I think the other similarity between wrestling and playing in a band is also like, the indie aspect of it, like the yeah. fact that you're gigging, the fact that you're going town to town trying to win people over. There's definitely a lot of similarities there. Yeah. And, and that's what I was um, hinting at when I talked about the road traveled is like in the beginning stages, you're just like messaging places, trying to get 
booked, willing to play for free, you know, and like when you do start to finally get paid, you're getting paid 20 bucks for three people. And it's like, well, we loaded up all this equipment in a van and drove two hours and, you know, whatever. But yeah, thanks for the, the $5 a piece, you know? Um, and that's very much wrestling, you know, you have until, until you've earned something until you've like, you know, got some kind of following that people aren't, you know, are demanding for you. You're not making money, <laughs> you know, um, at least for most people who, unless you get very lucky. Um, so yeah, it has definitely has some parallels to pro wrestling. So also in that regard, I was not delusional in the sense of when I started pro wrestling, like there's people who message me who are like, Hey man, I'm starting to train. Like how much money did you make? Like your first year? I'm like, if you're getting into this to make money, go do something else. Cause like <laughs> you're going to have very many years of being in the red. It's not that you're going to be making money or not making money. You're going to be losing money and a lot of it. So, um, I, I, I'd already, um, had that, uh, kind of pounded into me from my days of being in a band. So it was nothing new. <laughs> so when did you make the decision? How were you able to make the decision that you were going to quit your day job and that wrestling, you were all in on wrestling? Um, well, Chris, you're going to get kind of a sad story um, that I don't tell very often. Okay. Most of the time when people ask me this, I really glaze over it and give them some kind of BS like, well, you know, I always liked wrestling. Um, but I'm going to give you the scoop because this is a true story. It's a little bit sad, but hopefully maybe to somebody it's a little bit inspiring. Um, basically, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, I'd done the band stuff. Our band had kind of fizzled out. I started getting into the weights and I really got into it because I loved wrestling. But I wasn't like gung-ho about doing that. It just seemed very unrealistic. Like it seemed like, to me, when I got into pro wrestling, especially with how non-popular indie wrestling was back then, to say, I want to pursue wrestling was like, I want to be a cowboy. <laughs> like, that's literally what it felt like. It felt just un like, okay, nice fantasy kid. Right. Um, so I, I, I had that in my head, but I was just not really going down that path. Um, I, was, I was very good in school. So... I graduated high school like very, very early because I skipped two grades. Wow. So I had like this time where I was sitting, like I had like a year off and then I signed up for college. I was all signed up and I'm starting to go. And then my dad had a stroke and he like, we didn't think he was going to make it at first. Like he was in the hospital for a very long time. And for the first couple of weeks, he was completely like, First, he was completely out of it. Then he was on a breathing tube. Then he like could barely write with one hand, like one word at a time. So, and then he came off, you know, all the equipment, but his brain was like still so messed up from the stroke. He didn't even speak. And then uh, once he finally started talking again, um, you know, he was a musician his whole life. He played guitar and now he has a left arm that doesn't move. So he obviously mm. can't play guitar. And he just had this look like, one of the first real conversations he had with me coming out of everything was him kind of saying like, you never know what's going to happen in your life. You, you can't predict anything. And you, you never think an awful thing is going to get in your way. Um, so that's exactly why it's important to go and live every day, however you want and do whatever the, the hell you want before that roadblock comes. Cause you never know if it's going to come or when it's going to come. 
Right. And literally that day I went and I canceled, like I, I dropped out of college and I went to my mom's house to tell her I was going to be a pro wrestler. Wow. Yeah. And she was pissed. She was like, no, you're not. Cause I had a full ride scholarship. I had full ride academic scholarship to a university. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. And then I was going to be a pro wrestler. And, uh, and then I just kind of went down that direction. And, and I had so much that I like left behind me that I was like, I can't just pussyfoot around. Like I have to do this now. And not only that, you know, I was as much as I was not, um, invested in the idea of going to college at the time. Like I wasn't like, Oh yeah, I really want to do this. I was still prepared for a big task. I was mentally prepared to take on a big task and a big workload. So I think I approached pro wrestling as if it was a career, as if it was, you know, like I was like, I have to go to training this many times. I have to have my perfect diet. I have to have my, my workout routine. I have to study these matches. I, I get told to, like, I approached it as if like, here's this class, here's this class, here's this class. Um, and I tell people all the time, like, yeah, people say wrestling is a one in a thousand chance of like succeeding, but that's because people approach it very much like it's a side hobby. Whereas yeah. if you approach it, like it's a career, let's cover all bases that, you know, one in a thousand becomes more like, you know, one in 50. So what were you doing for work while you were going to wrestling school? Um, so I worked by the time I was wrestling school, I was probably cooking. So I've been in culinary that that's like the, the job I had all the time. I was either working as a, like some kind of cook, some kind of chef or a butcher. Those were the two things. <laughs> so, so at what point did you go? All right. I, I, I can do wrestling as a full-time job. I'm making enough money doing this. Um, it was really like last year. And because um, that's a big leap to make as well. Yeah. Towards the end of the year. Um, really, really like when I got back from Japan, um, because I made a, a good chunk of money while I was in Japan. And then I came back to, and then also obviously like just being in Japan is one of those things that a lot of people go, Oh, like, it's, I didn't get better overnight, but people were like, Oh wow, this guy, like he was in Japan. It's like, yeah, yeah I was good a month ago, but you know, Hey, sure. Book it now. Um, but because of that, like I, I, it ramped up like the demand for me as well. And let me be a lot more selective about bookings. And, um, but also just when I got home from that trip, you know, I took another week or two before I even went back to my, my job I was working. And then when I did, I was so like checked out. I was just like, you know, like I, I just felt like, oh, I don't want to do this. Every day was like rough. And also, you know, also I'm getting older. Like I'm not some old man, but I don't recover the same. I don't like, I'm, it's not like when I was, you know, 22 and I'd go wrestle three shows of the weekend, drive in a car like this for six hours and then be good to work out on Monday. Like I'm, <laughs> I get home from like weekends sometimes and it's like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to squat today. Like, you know, <laughs> So, you know, then going to work on top of that is just, it's not so appealing anymore. So how, how far along were you in your wrestling career when WWE came knocking for the first time? Oof, this is a crazy story because when it was the first time, basically I had a trainer who was very, <laughs> he, he was like, an older version of me and a physical way. He was like, I had the, I had the long blonde hair back then. So he was yeah. long blonde hair, tan jack guy. So when I came into his school for the first day, 
uh, granted, I had already trained somewhere for a little while prior, but when I came into school for the first day, he was like, this is going to be my guy. <laughs> he, like, he made that decision right then and there. And like, I remember he didn't charge me to, to train there wow. because he was like, you're going to be the, the greatest. And um, he was just giving me like, uh, giving me opportunities that I didn't deserve, like at all, like putting me like, I remember one of my, like, probably like my third or fourth match was at like this show in front of like 2000 people. And I didn't know how to wrestle like at all. Like, I remember the, like the guy, I, I was in a tag team match about against this other team. And one of the dudes uh, on the other team is a very well-established wrestler. Um, actually, I don't know if you know who Hawaiian lion is. He's worked. Yeah. yeah okay. So it was Hawaiian lion. And he talked to me so gentle in the ring, like so calm, but he just beat the living crap out of me. And it was kind of like a welcome to the business kid, but he was talking to me so calmly. I'm like, okay, this man is taking care of me. Right. Um, tuck your chin. And then he just like Saito on my head. Um, but that's just an example of some of the stuff I was doing. But basically, um, I was probably five matches into my career when that guy who I was telling you about took my headshot and a little promo package we get me and sent it to his connections at WWE because he had a little bit. I was like, hey, yeah. you need to, you need to sign this kid. So I had a tryout within my my first year. Wow. Uh, and because of that guy blowing smoke up my my ass, I thought like, yeah, I'm gonna get signed. Like because I'm just gonna because I look good and right. And then I went there <laughs> when it was an eye opening experience. Um, just like the level of like you are not ready. <laughs> you know, like it was just such a slap in the face, um, a reality check, you know? Yeah. Um, but you talk about not being ready. You're also there at that audition, that tryout with people who have never even stepped foot in a wrestling ring. That's fair. But, um, I, they at least have that as their excuse, you know, they're, <laughs> yeah, they they're were a football watched, player or whatever. Yeah, they're being watched through the lens of, okay, this guy's a track athlete. Um, yeah. but what is he, what is his raw potential? I'm being watched through the lens of this guy's a pro wrestler already. Let's see what, how good he is. And we realistically probably performed out the same. <laughs> <laughs> how many WWE tryouts in total have you had? Three. <laughs> Three. And um, so that first one, I, like, I was like a wash because like, I didn't even like, I didn't even think I was ready for it. I didn't necessarily ask for it. Um, I had one a couple of years after that, when I was like actually wrestling and I, I was like, I don't think I was like great by any means, but I was, I got it. You know, I got wrestling I knew what I was doing. I definitely knew all the basics and all the drills and all the, you know, all the stuff like that. Um, I did the tryout and it was, it was a, Hey, no. Uh, and that was, that was me knocking on their door. Like, Hey, Hey, give me a trial. Give me a trial. I'm ready now. They're like, okay, we'll do it. And then it was, no, you're just not quite there yet. Keep, you know, keep honing your craft, keep doing the stuff. And I was like, Oh crap, that sucks. Um, <laughs> and then after a couple more years, they hit me up and they, they'd seen more of my stuff and say, Hey, we want to bring you in for a trial. And this last one was just super bizarre. I even, I post a picture like from it today on Twitter, but I took it down because people were like, coming like there's uh, you know when like you think like a twitter post is going to go one way and then it like completely goes the other sure. way you're like i don't even want to deal with responding to this i just took it down but this third trial was super bizarre because 
like I said, not only did they invite me to this one, but it, I was treated very differently than the rest of the people around me as far as my perception. In, in that, I was treated like, oh, hey, good to see you, Hammer. Like, basically, this is a formality that you have to do, but we're going to hire you. You know, like, that's what it felt like, you know, and I'm doing all the drills and like, hey, can we pull you aside? We want to film something for the for the WWE website with you. Right. Okay. And they literally put up a package of it's still on. You still find it on YouTube or on the WB site. They put up a package of me um, and my experience at the trial. And it was like very much like geared towards like, this is one of the guys we signed. Yeah. Um, You know, and then like on the day in the weight room, you know, after the, the workout, uh, they're like weight coach, like sat him down. He's like, so uh, I think you kind of see what we expect now. And, you know, honestly, if you guys want a job here, you need to start looking a lot more like that guy and working like that guy. And he points at me and I'm like, Whoa, I don't want no heat. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was just very much like that the whole time, you know? And then even up to the last, the very last thing that happens, you know, like they're kind of talking to everybody like, okay guys. So you'll hear from us in about six weeks. Thanks for your hard work. Have a good day. Everyone starts walking away, you know, and then one of the, the boss men, Hey, hammer, come over here. I'm like, what's what's up? He's like, can you pass your drug test in two weeks? I'm like, yeah, I could pass it tomorrow. And he goes, great. I'm like, okay, you know, and then within less than a week, a a series of emails starts going back and forth with the company. Yeah. And we're going, we're going, we're going. And it's like weird. I started talking to somebody who I didn't know, who didn't know me. And it was very frustrating because he's like, so we just concerned because you're, you're coming from a bodybuilding background and that we know that's a drug sport. And I'm like, I've been wrestling for almost 10 years. I've had a thousand wrestling matches. I've done one bodybuilding competition. <laughs> am I a bodybuilder or am I a pro wrestler who did this one thing on the side? Right, yeah. Um, but I digress. We, we got through all that nonsense and uh, it, it ended up being like, Hey, well, I think we want to bring you in. We're going to, you know, it's going to, we're going to start the hiring process. And I remember like I was, I was on the toilet at work when I read that email and I had to read it like four times over. I'm like, I just start crying because I was like, Holy crap, dream come true. It's happening. Yeah. You know? And then I literally burst out of the bathroom, knocked on my boss's like office. It was just like a involuntary reaction. Like I was like, I, and I knocked on his office chef read this and he reads it's like oh my god and he legitimately called a staff meeting to <laughs> tell everybody that what just happened and like everyone congratulates me and you know this is probably um end of november december maybe of 2018 2017 okay i th- i think yeah 2017 it's three years ago and um they get like the conversation was basically like, Hey, be ready to move out to uh, Florida by like May, maybe June. So I start getting all my ducks in a row to move and we're going through a couple, you know, steps, you know, sending in my, all my paperwork then doing my background check. The next step is my whole medical test and it's not happening. It's not happening. It's not happening. And then I start kind of like pestering like, Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. And about April. So keep in mind, in my head, I'm moving there in May. Yeah. April, they say, hey, sorry to inform you, but we're just way too full right now. We hired too many people this year. We can't bring you in. 
and it doesn't say like give us give us three months it doesn't say give us this it just says we can't bring you in hmm. and that was it and i was like what <laughs> and so like i literally for like the next man for like the next couple months every once in a while somebody randomly be like hey so when are you going to florida and i'd have to explain the whole thing to him right i had to explain this <clears throat> so many times and like every single time it was just like a punch in the gut you know um so it was rough man it was a it was a rough time it literally like that experience almost made me quit wrestling like i was very close yeah did they ever give you any sort of feedback as to like we'll follow up with you in six months a year work on this work on that no, because, well, I mean, so the feedback had happened like after the first two tryouts, but that third one, they treated me like, yep, you're good to go. So, yeah, um, I honestly got so stubborn in my head about it that, um, I mean, I was kind of on autopilot the, for like all of 2018, um, after that, like I wanted, I kind of wanted to quit, but I wasn't sure. Um, and like, I didn't reach back out to them. Like, I wasn't like, Hey guys, like, I wasn't like, Hey, is my turn yet? Is my turn yet? I just kind of was doing my thing. And I was really kind of starting to plan my exit from pro wrestling. Like I was starting to think about where I, what I would do next and what would be the next move. Um, and then there was just that couple months where I was ended up switching my character around and then MLW offered me a contract and that little window is what saved my my career not only like got it back on track but mentally because it rejuvenated my like love and interest in progressing like now i'm like progressing is the coolest thing ever i'm having the most fun ever but there was a long period of time where more often than not i would finish a show and be like i don't want to do another match i don't well you've definitely found a home now in MLW and you've had some of the best matches of your career since signing with MLW so not going to WWE is now in fact the best thing to happen to your career yeah i i i don't even say that as like a trying to be happy with um you know trying to just be okay with the way things went i honestly am like really happy with that path because like if if i would have gone there at that time it's just less maturity it's less skill it's you know less leverage you know yeah. because like look if if that path if that ever becomes my path in the future you know i don't know if i want that right now i don't know what i what the future is going to bring i know the immediate future is with mlw because i still have a couple of years left with them you know and maybe that just keeps extending who knows but sure. if i do end up going somewhere else in the future at the very least, now I have kind of like bargaining power and leveraging power because I've created more, you know, value for my name. And that means a lot. Well, and now you're the national openweight champion. You've got gold there. There's no reason to go elsewhere. Yeah. You know, and I, I really do, you know, I'm not like, not just blowing smoke when I think like there's guys we have there that are just as good as any other company. You know, there's guys here who aren't right now, but are going to be because court has a very good eye for like up and comers. Like he's very good at seeing the guys that haven't got the the attention yet, but are going to be something, you know? So it's like, there's still a ton of matches I want to have there. There's still a ton I want to do there. Like, I feel like I barely scratched the surface and especially with, you know, 2020 kind of getting like, you know, put on hold, you know, this, this ideally would have been a very busy year um, for me with the company, as far as, you know, my role and what I was doing. Um, but 
you know, I didn't get to do that. So now it's like, okay, well, now I got to take care of all that business in 2021. I think it's safe to say a lot of things have changed in 2020, including how we work. Businesses across the globe now are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more visits than any other job site. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time. There's no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria so you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job. This makes Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit today at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer that you will find anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. The offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And football is back in full swing, baby. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off by wagering on wins, division, and championship futures. You can do this all day, every day. So head to Bet Online and take advantage of their great sign up bonuses. Just make sure you use the code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word at betonline.ag. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Which MLW matches of yours are you the most proud of? Um, so with, uh, obviously all the singles matches I had in Japan when I was with N1 were great. I loved like all those. Um, but other than that, I think, uh, T the one against T Hawk, um, is one people talk about a lot. And I think that was super fun for me because like, he kind of came into the match like thinking like, I want to do like super like American style. I was like, no, let's, let's give him a good, like strong style match, you know? Um, so that was a really good one. And I, I, that one really stands out for me too, just because I debuted in Philly um, for MLW. And I still remember <laughs> like debuting and coming out to basically crickets. Like it was a, it was the, who's this guy? Like fans were like, who's this guy? You know, I, and I had my match and, you know, I, I won him over. It's not like I got like a go home chant or anything, but like I remember coming out there and no one knew who I was yet. Um, and then when I came out with T Hawk, like I'm maybe obviously biased, but I think we had the loudest fan interaction of the night. Like we were in the ring, we haven't touched, and the crowd's, you know, let's go T Hawk, Cameron let's go T. And we just had this insane energy all match long. And it was just like a wow, like 
fucking like it's worked. Like everything we've done in the last year has resonated with people, you know, and, uh, whether, you know, whether whatever character I portray on the show, it's not about whether they love or hate, like they know what I'm all about. They appreciate and respect what I, what I bring to the table. That, that meant a lot. I think the work you did with Davy Boy also stands out oh, to me at least. Yeah. And <laughs> so Davy Boy is like, you know, he's one of those wrestlers who like, maybe a lot of people don't like put him on their like top wrestlers from when he his run in WWE. But I was always very much into that style, like the suplex and like that, that kind of stuff was always super cool to me. So he was like one of my favorites when I started training. So when I got to wrestling, it was super cool for me. And I didn't tell him until we were done because I was like, I'm not going to tell him this. And then we go out there and have a crappy match. And I'm like, I feel really stupid about it. So <laughs> once we were out there, we went out there and I like, you just know when you have like a good one, when it feels right. And I, I knew we had a good match and we got to the back. Like, Hey, you know, everything's good. Like, yeah, yeah, I was really happy with it. I was like, all right, now I feel like I could tell you that I was a super mark for you. <laughs> he's like, I stole so much of your stuff when I first started wrestling. I like, and he's like, oh, that's cool, you know. Um, the thing I will say about Davy Boys, the first time was a dream match. Um, the second time was really good, especially the Opera Cup, you know. And then by the third time, I'm like, okay, it's okay if we don't do this for a while because he is so physical. Like, he beats the living crap. Like, it, every strike, every hold, every slam, <laughs> it's like he's going, you, you better have your work pants on when you wrestle him. So it's very, very uh, enjoyable. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? Let's not do this for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I know you were told earlier in your career that you had to cut your hair because people were comparing you to Triple H. You know, long blonde hair. It's what you guys both had. Is your long hair coming back here? I don't know what's happening. More, it's, it's bald. It's shaved on the sides and the back. The quarantine cut places. <laughs> um, honestly, like I, I, I just. Uh, over quarantine, it got like it's. I didn't cut it, so it started getting long, and I was like, mm, "I'll shave the side, the back off." And then I was like, "Maybe I'll let it just keep growing." It's already getting annoying because it's like to that length where it gets tangled, and I'm like, "I hate it when I like get out of the shower, go to brush my hair." I'm like, "Oh, great, this is happening." Um, but who knows? I mean, I Father Time is uh, is fighting me every day about how much hair I'm going to get to keep, so. I don't want to like finally get long hair and then it starts really showing that it's going bald. So, um, I don't know what, I don't know what's next. Hey, you I, look I, like I, you're doing fine. You have plenty of hair. Listen, you're a good liar, Chris. <laughs> once, no, like that's the thing. Like once it gets wet and is, uh, covering like in a match when it's all hanging around, it looks, it looks kind of rough. Like it's still there, but it's just thinner. And uh, without fail, there's this one fan who always comments and he's always leaving like links to like products to use or like clinics to go to. And he's not trying, he's not trolling me. He's like trying to help me, but I'm like, I don't care that much. Like if it goes, it goes, you know, like I've accepted this, you know, if it goes, there's plenty of wrestlers with shaved heads that look great. If, if it goes, I might try to bring back the, I might try to be the first uh, guy to do uh the coldest accents, Hogan, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you could have the, uh, the skullet like Paul Heyman had. Yes. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> if we take it real back here, real far back, what was your first ever memory of wrestling? I want to say, so it's hard to remember because when I grew up, I didn't have cable. So if we were watching wrestling, we were staying up 
super late on like a Saturday to watch like shotgun Saturday night, or maybe like even like Sunday night heat or something like that. Um, but like two things definitely like are burned into my memory is like one of my first memories. And that's either the broods entrance or something to do with DX. Like those two things, like definitely like, like obviously during that time came the rock, you know, undertaker, like those guys all are in my memory, but like yeah. DX and like crotch chops, you know, was like one of the f- very first things. And then, uh, the broods entrance was like something that I remember like very vividly. So you would have been like seven, eight years old when this was happening. Yeah. That sounds about right. It's funny because my first memories, I'm, I'm an eighties kid. So my first memory is similar to yours. It wasn't like, I remember Hogan and warrior, but I remember like Coco beware. Like, you know, <laughs> like you remember like this stuff that just sticks out in your head. Like I remember this, this guy's flapping his arms as a bird. Like that's cool. Yeah. Well, that, that's, what's funny is, um, so probably my most wrestled opponent throughout the years is Gangrel, just by chance. Like they're just, we've worked for a lot of the same companies and been booked against each other a lot. And, um, he was my first like name that I wrestled. And uh, not only that, he's just a good friend of mine. You know, he's, he's the type of friend who like, he'll text me, you know, Merry Christmas and stuff he's like that. The he's the best. Just, you know? Yeah. But um, it's funny because like I said, you know, I didn't have, I couldn't watch raw. So my show was like the Sunday night heat. And I'm like Sunday night heat Gangrel was like main eventer. He was coming in there to me- beat the crap out of some local talent. You know what I'm saying? So like, he was like the man. <laughs> Like, so in his head, like he might've like not got to the level he wanted to with the company, but I'm like, my memory of you was you beating the crap out of people. So you're the fucking G in my book. (laughs) What's your go-to favorite match of all time? Oof. Um, I'll say, so things definitely change. Like the more you wrestle, and then you go back and watch stuff. It's almost like you're watching it through a di- like a different lens every time. Sure, yeah, and it, notice in the same way an, an actor watches a movie very differently. Yeah, so you're not just watching it for enjoyment purpose. So it changes. Yeah, um, and the more you understand it, it changes. But I'll say, like probably my most watched matched and like one match, like if it was on right now, I'd finish it. Is uh, Lesnar versus Angle from WrestleMania 19? Yeah. That's uh, just uh, very much my style. Just like two guys getting super physical and, and, and beating the crap out of each other. And I just like, it, it, it hurts me of what happened with the shooting star press, because if he would have nailed it, like I always think it's one of the greatest wrestling WrestleMania matches of all time. But if he would have nailed it, I think like people would say it was the greatest WrestleMania match. Well, and I don't know. That, it would have been, it, I, I don't know that? if this is like public or not, but, well, I, it's in the so I interviewed Kurt Angle earlier this year, and he said that was supposed to be the finish. Yeah, that was supposed to be the finish of the match, and then basically they just you know it ended up being an F five. Yeah. But can you imagine Brock Lesnar winning with with a shooting star? Yeah, people would have lost their minds, and it's like, it just like it hurts me for them that that moment got like messed up. <laughs> Although I remember Brock Lesnar getting up there, and I'd seen the clips of him doing the shooting star like earlier on in his career. Yeah, and I saw where Kurt Angle was in the ring, and I'm like, I know he's a freak athlete, but I don't. I this isn't going to be possible. Yeah, sure enough, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to like recreate that moment. Like literally in my head, I'm like, you know what? If I ever wrestle Fatu, then he kicks out of the nightmare pendulum. Then I 
have that moment and I go to the top and hit a shooting star. But then like, I literally will like go to trampoline park and I'm like, all right, today's the day. <laughs> like 15 minutes later, I'm like, this is stupid. I'm leaving. But with that said, for a guy that's your size, you wrestle like a guy who's like 50 pounds lighter than you are. Yeah. Um, so when I, when I first started training, my first trainer was uh, a Lucha guy. So my like very first, First training like was very like you know grab the hand slap the guy's chest skip to the top rope flippy do arm drags and wow know, i remember like the finish he wanted me to use was the 450 splash because i was able to do that uh and just a lot a lot of stuff that didn't visually make sense for me um and the next place i went to uh to train the, the trainer was like <laughs> stop doing that stop doing that stop doing that <laughs> Um, so I, I, I dumbed it down, but you know, every, some of the skills stuck and I try to incorporate what I can, where I can, where it makes sense without, without putting myself <laughs> in risk of injury. Um, and without just like obnoxiously doing something just to do it, which is, I feel something a lot of big guys nowadays do. Yeah. It's just like, they do the flip very poorly just to be like, yeah, that's right. I did a backflip, but it's like, okay. But like, that, that's not the difference between me thinking you're good or not, you know? Yeah. Were you always into bodybuilding? Like, were you the guy who was like subscribed to flex magazine as a kid? <laughs> I will say once I got bit with the bug, it has not stopped. So I like my brother tried to get me into working out. Um, he's a three years older than me. He tried to get me into working out and he'd be like, yeah, let's lift these weights in the, in the garage. And like, he's lifting them. He's like, you gotta do this. And I just remember like, this is so stupid. I'm not doing this. Um, and then later down the road, I, like, I, I wanted to do it. So I signed up for weight training in high school, um, senior year, 138 pounds. <laughs> wow. But, uh, wow. I signed up for, yeah. That's a scrawny dude. I can't, I was bigger than you in senior year. Ah, dude. Well, that's the thing. When I first signed up, I very much wanted to be in shape, but I was not trying to get big. I remember I'd lift weights and then I'd go run and run and run. And I was like eating nothing. Like I, I would go on, like I do my workout and then I'd run four miles and then I'd go home. And I'd barely eat. Cause I was like, I just want like abs, <laughs> you know? Um, and I wore like girl pants and size extra baby gap shirts and all that. And then I honestly, like, I remember seeing the movie 300. I think that's what did it. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I want to gain some muscle. And I was working a job already, uh, as a bus boy. And I legitimately, um, so I had like an apron with three pockets in it and like, we'd keep our rag in one of them, but then the other two pockets were just pockets. So I went in the back and I stapled plastic bags in the side pockets and I would just walk up and every time I passed the cook line, I go, you guys got anything? And like, yeah. And then after a while, like they thought it was funny. So they just throw the most random. So I'd have like a pocket with like mashed potatoes and fried shrimp and half a shrimp, you know, a freaking piece of steak and just whatever food got dreamt in there. And I would just all night long, I didn't know what was in the pocket, but I would just reach and grab a handful, reach and grab a handful, just eat, eat, eat. And like, I just started gaining so much weight so quick. I think I got up to like 175 pounds and I was like, I had like my first bit of compliments of like people like, are you like bulking up? And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> and from then on, there was just like no going back. That's when I did start like actually looking at like bodybuilders and like YouTubing them and just being like, oh my God, these are real human beings. Like this is possible. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, every time I see you, you get bigger and bigger. So is there a goal in mind of like how much bigger you want to get? Dude, honestly, 
my real goal is battling my obsession with it. Um, because if I have anything that hinders my wrestling, it's my love for bodybuilding. It's, mm. it's the fact that every once in a while, my training gets too specialized for getting big and strong and not for wrestling. And I get super tight. I get super unflexible and my cardio goes, you know? Um, so just recently I got about the biggest, um, I've been, I got to about 265 pounds, but every match that I wrestled at that size was, I, I was only able to get through them by being like a savvy worker, you know, and I don't want to have to rely on that. Like if I wrestle a guy who's like, wants to go, I want to be able to match him. And I, there was no way, like I was on the verge of like just killing over. <laughs> like I was sucking wind so hard. And especially at some of these like no crowd shows, I'm like, there's, I'm just sure the hard cam, like all I could hear is, <gasps> you know? <laughs> so I was like, Oh, it's time to dial back. So I've dropped back down. Um, probably like a couple pounds under 250. I feel a lot better. Um, but yeah, man, like there's not like, in my head, there's like this size goal of like, yeah, I want to be 280 ripped, but it's like, well, I got to be healthy and I got to be able to wrestle, you know? And it's like, just, you know, earlier I talked about the big guy doing an impressive move and that's not the difference between me thinking you're good or not. Well, right. five or 10 pounds of muscle is not the difference between a fan thinking I'm good or not. So I have to constantly keep that in check because like, I do have an obsession with it, you know? And not only that, you know, the, the health aspect of just getting like too large for your body. Like I got a COVID test um, recently. And uh, when I was at that size, I went to the doctor and he's like, just doing the typical, you know, the checks. And he's like, hmm, your blood pressure is high. And I'm like, is it like high normal or like, oh no, that's not good. And he goes, I'm going to let the doctor talk to you. I was like, crap, I've never got that. Like, wow. I've got like, oh, you have high normal. Did you have caffeine today? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay, that might be it. But he was like, this is high. Like, you need to make some lifestyle changes. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> you know? And it was, you know, I'm just sure it was just from pushing my weight so, so, so heavy, so fast. Um, so, yeah. Like, just keeping in mind that getting bigger does not make you a better wrestler, you know? And People have people have thought I was uh, you know a bigger guy or, or a muscle guy or a power guy when I was 235 pounds, and they still think it when I'm 250 pounds. So I don't need to get up to 260 or 270 pounds. I just don't need to. Well, you know, you talk about losing flexibility. Brian Pillman Jr. and I recently went to a hot yoga class. Maybe this is something you should work into your routine. Oh, dude, I I did those a couple times. Um, with uh an ex-girlfriend i dated was very much into it so she drugged me along and it was like man like i it was it's definitely one of those things that as soon as you're done you're like i need to do this more often and then you just don't make time to do it on a regular basis yeah you know because it's like i literally <laughs> for about six months I, like my local gym had a yoga class so on wednesdays for about six months at 4 p.m my alarm would go off and it would say yoga and every single time I would get up and make my pre-workout and I'd go like train chest or something. <laughs> like I'd go to the gym, I'd see them doing yoga. I was like, no, I'm going to do chest today. I also don't think pre-workout and yoga really go hand no, that, in hand. That, that, well, that just goes to show I never really had the intention of doing it. Like you want the exact opposite in yoga. You want to like calm yeah, breathing and like low blood flow. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> I can't imagine you getting any bigger. So I think this is good news that you're a hair under 250 now. 
Yes, I feel much better. That's for sure. But you probably like being the size that you are, you, you get a lot of criticism online. You get a lot of criticism in person from people who think like, oh, this is just like some steroid guy or something, not realizing how much like hard work you put in. And like, I'm, I can't even imagine what your diet looks like too. Yeah. I mean, but like, I always say like, so I've gotten that, you know, like I got that before I even knew what steroids were. So like, and it used to really make me upset. Um, but it's like, you know what? Like if someone, if you've been lifting for 10 years and no one's ever accused you of being on steroids, then that sucks. Like you should probably work out harder, you know? Um, because basically all they're saying, they're like, I don't think that's possible. Like for a normal person, which it's like, I, I don't care what people do or do not do if it doesn't affect me, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, I just don't even get bothered by it. Like, it, you know, and that it's kind of like an ongoing going joke about kind of like part of my gimmick, like, especially with MLW. Like I remember the first time, like I joked about it on the show and I thought, cause I, we're given pretty much a hundred percent creative freedom. And wow. I made this joke, you know, like alluding to steroid use. And I thought, I was like, I thought they were not going to use that promo or like, I was going to get like a message from like a, uh, office, like, Hey, don't do that. But next time I showed up, they had literally written a promo specifically like egging that on. Like they thought it was so funny, you know? So like I'll make these jokes about myself. And then like a fan will think he's like a genius when he's like, that's growth hormone. I'm like, you're so stupid. Like, <laughs> I don't care about your stupid opinion, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, like, first of all, that's not what makes you big or not. Like they do help in a muscle building sense, but it's like, it's not, it doesn't do any of the work for you. And yeah. especially like the people who are judging me are judging me from a wrestling perspective most of the time. And I'm like, you could take pretty much every steroid in the world and it's not going to make you any better at wrestling. It's probably gonna make you worse. So <laughs> like, what, what are you really upset about? <laughs> you know, walk me through what a day of your nutrition looks like. Um, so do you have a I'm certain very, amount of calories you're trying to hit or is it macros I, or I do, I eat like right now I'm at about 4,800 calories, which is a pain in the ass. That's a lot um, of food. Yeah. And well, I was literally just having this conversation with somebody because like I did my bodybuilding contest competition, which makes you kind of food crazy and super hungry. So then like bulking back up was so fun. Like I was having to hold back on calories. I would track it and I'd be like, Oh, I got to only hit this. I can't have this. I can't have that. And then it got to the, after like a couple months and then now it's to the point where I make these meals and I just like, <laughs> it takes me like 35 minutes to eat them. Like, I'm just like staring at it by the end, like, please go away. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm super boring guy. Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't like, I don't have a lot of cravings for random crap. I'm like, oh man, I just want pizza so bad. When's my cheat day? Like, if I really want something that bad, I'll have it. But for the most part, I don't mind eating like on repeat, you know, eggs and, you know, oatmeal or chicken or rice or beef and potatoes. Like it doesn't bother me. Um, and it's especially like, like I, I, I'm, as I've gotten older too, like I've definitely like the changes like really show up. Like before like I'd eat a pizza and be like, let's go train legs. But now I eat a pizza and I like, on my first time, I'm like, Oh, I have heartburn, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so like, I, it's, it's uh it's very like as to be expected for a typical bodybuilder type um it's nothing special but a lot of a lot of animal products a lot of eggs lots of milk 
And is your, is your training, is it the bodybuilder split? Is it chest one day, back, legs, shoulders, arms? I did that for many years. Um, and then I switched over uh, recently to like a push-pull legs type program. Um, and it was very, very, very focused on progressive overload. Like I had a little journal with me every workout and had like numbers to beat. And that's, that's, if anyone has like ever like stalled, that is the key to like pushing gains because it forces you to get bigger and stronger. Um, and that's when I actually got up to like my heaviest. Um, but not only that, when you're doing like a push pull legs, it opens up to have like a push pull legs and then day off could be like when you go and do some cardio where you on a you know a, a hike or just go do 60 minutes or like something that's not too intense on the muscle cardio wise um whereas if you're doing like chest then back then shoulders and arms and legs it's like okay you took up your whole week with weight training but like you know you need to do some other stuff you know and then not only that like i train at our wrestling school at least twice a week so i like to have a lot of times on those days, I don't want to do weight training and like go and wrestle for three hours. I kind of want to have that be my only workout of the day. So, so where do shoulders fit in a push pull? Uh, they'll go on push day. So you'll do usually it's a, a push lot of pushing. Like, yeah. Well, you usually do about like, um, you know, two or three exercises for chest, two or three for shoulders. And then by the time you do triceps, you really only need one or two. Cause what you'll find is you'll go to like do it, something with your triceps. You realize how much they worked on chest and shoulders and they're just, fried like like oh there's nothing left there this i think i'm gonna have to switch things up it's yeah, you've if, encouraged uh, me if uh if you want some uh i got like a little sample program if you want to shoot me a message sometime i'll i'll send it over well this is this is great for somebody that <laughs> for somebody that might like be looking to get into this someone who's made you know the new year's resolution maybe didn't keep it or maybe they're going to make a new year's resolution next year to get in better shape what do you think are just a few steps that they need to take so the biggest thing is just trying to take a few steps. It's like you just, you, or you said it in your question hmm. because like what most people do is they just, they try to overhaul their life overnight and you can do that through sheer willpower and, you know, motivation and all that for about a week, you know, maybe two, maybe a month. But at some point it, you're going to go, okay. Like I always tell people, if you go from not working out at all to deciding you're going to work out two hours a day, six days a week, you'll go that first week, you'll do it. Your day off will come. And then the next day you're supposed to go back to the gym will come and you'll go, okay, I'll go. Boom. You'll go. And then you'll take a day off yeah. and then you'll go. And then you'll just do an hour long workout because you're rushed. And then you'll take two days off. And then very, very like over a course of, you know, in a couple of weeks, you're not going to the gym anymore. Um, whereas if you make a small commitment to yourself, you know, um, three days a week, you know, 40 minute workouts or whatever it is, whatever is very feasible for your schedule and you stick to that, then you slowly increase, you know, like my protocol for cardio, I always like tell people, um, especially like if they haven't been doing something like haven't, haven't been doing cardio, they've just been doing weights, but they need to drop some weight. Like I'll add into their program and at the end it'll say eight minutes of cardio on the stairs. I'm like, and they're like eight, eight minutes. I'm like just eight minutes every single day. And then next week we're going to up it to 10 and then 12. And then by the time you're doing 30 minutes a day, it's a habit that you've been doing. And also you've built up like the, the, the motor pattern and the strength in the legs and the endurance. And the leg. So at this point, it's like second nature to do your cardio. And there's never been a large change at any point though it was like shocking to you it's like starting small and going from there and that's the biggest thing is people decide 
that like a lot of times people have like a, a break moment where they like are become so uncomfortable that they have to change but then they try to change way too many things. They decide they go and they throw out half their cabinet and they buy all new workout clothes and they sign up at you know, yeah. personal trainers. It's like, you're not going to be able to keep up with this, you know? So just, you know, figuring out your goal, but making them very attainable. And also, you know, the sense of uh, reward, you know, you get when you accomplish something, even if it's small, it's, it's there. Like if you're okay, like, hey, man, I did my, you know, 10 minutes of walking today. If that was your goal, cool. You're going to feel good yeah. when you do that. But if you decide that you're going to do a two, two hour hike and you only do an hour hike, now your brain is telling you that you failed when realistically you did more work, but you just set too steep of a goal. You know? Yeah. This whole idea is basically, it's the idea of a lot of people trying to run before they even know how to crawl. Yeah. 100. They're, they're trying to go from zero to 60 without ever lifting a weight, without ever stepping foot in a gym. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's how it is for, for a lot of things in life. Like people's, you know, lack of accomplishing something is, uh, you don't get to start accomplishing something great. You have to accomplish something very, very, very small. You know, it's like, you know, and you know, even like for me, like one of the things like I'm about myself about is like reading. Cause I really think when I like read a lot, it it helps me a lot as far as my focus, my mindset, just my day-to-day attitude. But like, I remember thinking if I couldn't read 10 pages a day, like it was nothing. And yeah. I was like, you know what? Well, if I take two weeks off from reading, cause I didn't read 10 pages a day, I might as well just been reading one page a day. And that would have been more than 10 pages anyway, you know, but people like think if they're not accomplishing something big right off the bat, that it's just useless. But it's just like, well, I read, like, I read a fascinating book called atomic habits. And it talked yeah. about the idea of like how it's better. So I set a goal every day to read, two pages. That's not yeah. right. The whole idea though, is once you start reading two pages, you go, I could read three. I could yeah. read four. I could read 10. And that's the same idea with working out. I'm going to walk for five minutes today. Well, once you're walking for five minutes, you realize it's super easy. Five turns into 10. And that's, I think that, that the whole idea of celebrating those little wins along the way and setting those attainable goals is so incredibly important. Yep. 100%. Now, so I think that I think you need to start reading some more is what I'm saying here. <laughs> me no read so good. Me, me exercise. You skipped two grades. It's, I actually skipped one grade. So we're almost in the same boat here. Did you? I, I did first and second grade in the same year. Really? Yeah. So what's funny is when I was in kindergarten, so my brother was three years older than me and he would like, I remember when it'd be bedtime, he would just talk about what he was learning in school and like explain it to me. And I was, I was always a math whiz. Like that was my thing was like numbers were super easy for me. So he would like make me worksheets. Like he would like copy his worksheets and make them for me. And I would turn them into my kindergarten teacher every day. And she's like, what's this? Like my brother made me a worksheet and I did it. And she's like, okay. She's just basically humoring me. And then one day um, she, I, I gave her the worksheet and I go, um, how many of these do I have to do to get skipped? Cause I had heard of like this, which is like, what? Like, skip. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, to skip a grade. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, so I could go to the next grade. She's like, no, Alex, everybody has to do every grade. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then freaking sure enough, like a couple years later, I'm in seventh grade. And I'm like, well, we don't have any more math classes for you. So we're going to skip you up to eighth grade. <laughs> That's right. Where's Miss Tomzak now? <laughs> when you were this smart, it, you know, you were obviously being considered maybe for the gifted program or something like that. 
Yeah. What did you think you were going to be when you're, you know, 12 years old? Um, you know, at 12, I didn't like, once I started getting into music, I thought I was going to be the musician. But once I started like that tail end of like high school where you just have to start like, okay, planning for a real world. Yeah. Um, I thought I was going to go into engineering just because it's very much a lot of math and I was good at that. So I was yeah. just like, I was just going to do what I was good at just for the sake of like, well, this is what my counselor said I should do. But if you would have asked me how much interest I had in it, it was like zero. <laughs> but I feel like you could have done anything. Um, I mean, I, I, I like to think that I'm the type of person who, when I apply myself to something, I'm very good at accomplishing a goal. Um, but if I don't have, I'm very all or nothing. Like there's a lot of things in my life. Like my brother's like, Hey man, you want to go shoot some hoops? And I'm like, no, he's like, why? Like, Cause I don't play basketball. Like, well, let's do it for fun. I was like, I don't want to do it for fun. If I want to play basketball, I want to be really good at basketball. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just, I've always had that type of personality, whether it's like wrestling or you know, playing some kind of game or drinking <laughs> no but uh yeah but like that's like weightlifting i got into weightlifting and i'm like this is what i do now this is my thing you know and um i've tried to break that habit a little bit more as i get older because i realize being too much like that as well as as much as it's a good thing because you focus on something you attack your goals and you achieve them most of the time um when you have those blinders on sometimes you miss the really good stuff yeah um so that, that, that's, uh, that's just kind of the personality type I've always had. You definitely have the mindset where like you could accomplish anything. And that, that fires me up to hear that because not everybody has that growth mindset. Yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, uh, weight training definitely helped me a lot because I was very shy when I was younger and I didn't try a lot of stuff I wanted to do. Cause I was like afraid of, I was first of all afraid of failure and I was afraid of um, just general embarrassment, um, just feeling super self-conscious about stuff, you know, but like I said, like going from like being, you know, this little scrawny kid, I was like bullied when I first did weight training a lot, like, because we had to partner up and nobody wanted to partner with me because I was one of the weakest kids. Like I remember I couldn't bench 135. So on chest days, everyone was so mad when I had to be their partner because I had to start with the, the, the 25s and they were so annoyed to work out with me. And so, and then fast forward, like at the end of the year, people like are messaging me on MySpace, like, Hey bro, like, how do you get so big? And I'm like, you were such a, like you ruined my life. But then like, and then that translated, like once I had like, I, it's not that I realized, like, I don't even think it was like realizing, oh, I'm so great. I'm so capable. It was just like realizing like how silly, like the world is in general, how like we hold ourselves back because of like all these like pressures and these conceptions we come up with in our head. And we're basically like putting these walls up that we decide we can't get over, but we put them up, you know? Um, yep. And once I, like, once I realized that and like started like, kind of taking down my own walls, you realize the walls that society are putting up or the walls that, um, you know, are actually in your way are much easier to, to get over than the ones you, you typically put up for yourself. And I think that the biggest thing is focusing on what you have control over. And I think yeah. that so many people are so concerned about what this person's going to think, that person's going to think, all that really matters is you. Yeah, 100%. And even the stuff that like, that is objectively not in your control. If in your own mind, you try to spin it as if it was, as if it is your fault, as if it is your thing to deal yeah. with, 
that's the only productive way to look at it. So you might as well do it that way anyway. Yeah. I, I think being grateful for the things that you do have instead of focusing on the things that you don't have is so important. And so I, I end every interview by asking you, what are three things that you're grateful for in your life right now? Okay. Um, I'm definitely grateful for MLW because despite everything, um, it's really nice to know that I'm going to have a good position with a good company um, that's ready to keep building me when all this craziness is over. Um, and if it wasn't for them, uh, I'd have a lot, I'd be a lot more anxious right now as far as m- what my career is going to look like post uh, COVID. Yeah. Um, I'm really grateful for my girlfriend. Um, I've I, like, you know, I talked about like having blinders on and being way too focused on like certain goals. And I've definitely been very guilty of not realizing how awesome and supportive she is. Um, and it's like, you know, recently we've like run into a couple of things where I, I, it's just like that eye-opening experience of like, wow, I have this great person who supports everything I do and makes everything easier for me. But I'm like so gung-ho about what I'm doing that, like, you know, I don't always appreciate it. So that's, uh, that's another thing. And I guess uh, to be cheesy is like fans um, because, you know, um, as much as this year has isolated a lot of people, it's been super cool to anytime I need it, I have an interaction with hundreds or thousands of people, you know, and as much as, you know, we alluded to like some of the types of trolls we deal with, you know, on social media. Um, I tell everybody this, sometimes people get super worked up about these, like, you know, wrestling trolls or Twitter trolls or whatever. And I'm like, be honest. Is that the dominating thing you see or is that one guy for every hundred people who are telling you how great you are how much you changed their life how awesome you know how much they love what you do um so yeah man just to have just to still have that you know connection with the world through through my fan base and uh all the cool stuff like fans have done so much cool stuff for me over quarantine there's one guy who even sent me a guitar amp because he like saw my guitar videos without an amp he's like bro i want to i want to hear you playing this with an amp i have a spare one can i send it to you wow you know, it's like crazy, like how, how much, you know, these people remind me what I do means something for them. Um, because as much as I love wrestling and I love like, you know, showing off or just whatever part aspects of it, I enjoy like the coolest thing at the end of the day. And it's the thing that I always have to go back to, um, to really keep me going is when people let you know how big of an impact it has for them, you know, and that's like that that'll never stop being cool. When someone sends me a message and it was like, Hey, like, you know, my brother is in the hospital for this, but you're his favorite wrestler. Like, and he said, you know, he's been watching your matches. He wanted me to tell you, I'm like, what? Like, that's insane to me, you know, but like, it's, it's just super cool. So I I guess those would be the three things that right now I'm feeling super grateful for. I got to say, man, I really enjoyed this conversation. And I think that people are going to see such a different side of you than they would see if they just watched you in the ring. Uh, I mean, I, I would hope so. Uh, the, the, the me in the ring is uh, very different, but uh, very, uh, very important that I have that outlet where that part of me tends to bleed into this part of me. And then it's not so enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate this. Yeah, man, dude, I, I'm, I'm super happy to do it. Um, you know, like I said, um, I think guys like you are awesome just because you, you're just helping grow our business in such a positive way and highlight people in such a good way. And like you said, like 
you know, opening up to people to the side of me that they haven't seen. It's just awesome, man. I've been a fan for a really long time and I hope you keep trucking along and doing this, brother. Thank you so much, man. All right, man. You take care. You too. Well, there we go, my friends. The MLW restart is back on Wednesday, November 18th. And I just get so excited when I hear stories like the one that Hammerstone told here about how much faith and confidence that he had in his dream to be a pro wrestler, that he dropped everything to pursue it, no matter what anyone thought. Because, I mean, really, the only thing that really matters, the only person's opinion that truly matters is your own opinion. Seriously, don't forget about that. There's no better bet that you can make than the bet that you make on yourself. And Alex Hammerstone is a perfect example of that. And here's the thing. He's only 29 years old. So we're going to be seeing a lot more from him in these years to come. Eleanor Roosevelt said it best. You wouldn't worry so much about what others think about you if you realized how seldom that they do. It's so true. It's so, like I said, the most important person to give their opinion on what you're doing, it's you. Be great. Be grateful, my friends. And we will see you on the next one.